Hi everyone, I am Karina Givargasov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. Our tagline is for fashion for beauty for good. Our next Mission podcast, which is hosted by myself, a dear friend, Charlene Spiteri, who is the singer-songwriter of the band Texas. We speak to someone that's a really strong advocate for underprivileged young women in the Middle East, in Herat in Afghanistan to be precise. In 2015, she founded the first ever female coding school called Code to Inspire. Our next guest is Fareshti Faro. She talks to us about how hard the journey's been in a very strict male-dominated culture. Yet it was her father who encouraged her to get an education. I'll leave you with a powerful quote from her, which I found very inspiring. She says, I started from a place that is impossible. So please have a listen and see how far she's gotten, what an incredible school she's built for young girls in Afghanistan. Thank you for listening. I hope you're all managing okay and keeping safe and doing okay mentally. Take good care. <laughs> no, now, where, where are you calling in from, Freshly? Are you still in? Are you in Brooklyn still? Yes, uh, I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. How about you guys? Are you based in Brooklyn or somewhere else? I'm ge- mission is generally and I are generally based in the East Village, New York. But then I came back. Obviously, I'm English. I came back to London three weeks ago to be with my father and help my father at home. And Charlene, where are you right now? I am currently Fareshti in Wales, in North Wales, in the UK. Okay, okay. You're getting you're getting from every corner here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's everything at your area? It's much better. I'm pretty sure everywhere else is much better than New York City. Not much. London's not much better. I mean, I'm 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 removed from London. So I normally live. I I do live in London. I live between London and Wales. But um, I recently just lost my mother, and I came here just for some quiet time as the virus started, um, and then we went to shutdown. So I've been here, but I'm very remote it's in the middle of nowhere. So that feels it it feels very strange because i'm in the middle of the country and we don't see people normally or anything so to see to we not noticing any difference in that as in you know normally in london just the noise alone that you hear in london would be i can imagine the sound is very very different especially in brooklyn as well I imagine that that's a big a big a big change yeah, yeah. Well, sorry for your loss. I hope that you are getting the strength, especially during this time. And I definitely think being remote is certainly a good option to just, you know, being disconnected from the craziness, you know, and just be with nature. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like in ordinary days, I mean, there's certainly a lot of, I live off of the street, so there's a lot of, you know, sirens and, you know, like cars. But still with the uh, lockdown and uh, less commute, it's still like at least like five or six times during the day, you hear like sirens and fire trucks and everything passing. So it's just like part of our daily life, I guess. Yes. Well, it's, I have to say, Fresh Day, it's so nice to actually talk to you properly because she was in our first issue. I wonder, and so was Charlene. You were both in the first issue, the launch issue. And we haven't got to meet yet, Freshly. We will do soon when New York opens back up again and we'll get up to doing events again. Yeah. That's still on the, on the back burner. But I was so, when we were going through who to have on the podcast, you were one of the top, top people because what you've done and achieved, um, I'm sure people tell you this the whole time, is really remarkable. And it's kudos to you. It's so impressive and inspiring that, you know, in 2015, you fo- founded Code to Inspire. And 
I love that it's the first female coding school in Afghanistan. So we kind of wanted to talk about that, your journey, the program that you offer, the students. That This is going to go in a couple of different ways, and it's just going to be really natural talk about just kind of supporting what you do and, and having our audience learn about you and, and your your fantastic endeavours you've been doing. So one, one question I have, because we along the many, is I guess to start with, so how many how many students do you take on board and, and what the age ranges of the girls? Well, um, since we started the program in 2015, we've educated about more than 200 girls in our coding school. And um, the age range of our students are usually 18 years old to like 25 years old or plus. So they're mainly college students who come to our coding school. Wow, that's so cool. Do you have, do you have um, Farishti, do you have contacts like due to the school with the coding that you can then introduce um, the girls into jobs as they come out of the um, system or do you have anything like that has anyone come forward and um, been been hooking up with you to say that we, we would gladly employ any of these girls as they come out as they come out of the course oh, that's a great question I think there is like a lot of different avenues that we kind of like so in a way that our students got hired or the companies like wanted to give them jobs. So in general, when our students graduate, we really try to help them with their resumes, you know, put their portfolio so that when they go for an interview, they do have a portfolio to present and show. So there are different examples. For example, with the graduates, we graduated about 70 students from our different classes like graphic design, mobile app, and game design. So with the number that we have with the data, 50 to 60% of those students found job in the community wow. um, within what we taught them. And um, all happened organically in a way that like when they went to companies and they did have a very good resume or the companies reach out to them to hire them. We also outsourced about 20 projects, mainly from US. Uh, it, it would be like website design projects, graphic design, mobile app design projects uh, worth of $20,000. And all the money went to the girl's pocket. We were talking about girls who, oh yes, and we were talking about girls who never get paid in their life and it's their first time. <laughs> And the average income monthly salary in Afghanistan is 150 to 200 dollars, and we have students who got paid 300, 400 dollars. So they actually make double than the male uh, member of the family. Wow! So we, we, that's like a different way. Like we also like had one of the stories that we had one student who was actually a 10th grade student who came to our web design class and. When we interviewed her, we asked why you want to come to our coding school? And she said, because I want to make money. And we were all like, well, there's nothing wrong with making money. I think that's a great goal to have. And she was coming from a very challenging financial background that even the family couldn't afford to pay a few cents for her to commute to the school. So we paid for her commute and we rented a laptop to her to use at home because she didn't have any laptops or internet. Once she graduated, a few months after, she texted me and she said that you don't believe me if I say that I found a job. I went to a company, which are mainly men, and I convinced them that they can create a website for you and help your business be online. And they agreed and they're paying me $200. And I was like, wow, you're such a badass, you know, because like you're... (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, like a teenager still, but you're able to convince in a, such a male-dominated culture that you can help them with what you know. And, and that was so uplifting for me. So we do have a lot of great stories of the girls who, with what they've learned from the school, able to earn income. That's amazing because they say one thing, and, and I'm, I can be like this, that women ha- find it hard to negotiate like a pay increase or any financial deal. So the fact that she went in and asked for a certain amount and negotiated that on her own is really, really incredible. It's really incredible. Do you, do you think that, you just made me think when some of your students have gone on and they've got jobs that are paying 200 a month, have they said or that the males in the family have then supported or males around them have then supported their career choices once they see that they can actually earn a really good salary and bring kind of double income to the family? Yes, that's actually a very good question in a way that I think what we do with the coding school, it's not simply like a coding school that we teach the girls like how to code. Um, That's beyond that. It's more about a grassroots level of change in a community that's very conservative, that still there are a lot of people against women's education and working outside. So like with the code, we try to change that perspective. With the technology, we try to change that perspective. So when we started the school, we actually had a lot of people who were commenting on our Facebook post and they kind of like made fun of our girls. We had like games that our girls developed and then they were like, oh, like this is so funny. Girls making games, they gonna get married, they gonna make babies and wash dishes, you know, like their place is in the kitchen. So like these were the comments that we were receiving. From when you were seeing their profile, they were apparently like very high educated men. So that's how it was their perspective. But what we've done is that we really try to, you know, be persistent and like um, continue what we do and encourage our girls uh, to be more confident and raise their voice. And the next year, when we released more apps, more games, we gave some job to the girls. We actually had brothers, fathers and the husbands of some of the girls who came to the school and checked our school. And they were like, well, we see that she's doing something and she's very happy. And, uh, and, and it seems that she makes money. We want to come and check the school. And that was for us a turning moment in a way that like we gained the trust of the community. And fortunately or unfortunately, men plays a big role in such conservative community in, in case of decision making. And now it's totally that the attitude has changed a lot, especially in Herat, the city that we are operating there's a lot of emails and texts I daily receive from men who say, oh, I want to send my daughter or sister or my wife to your school. Like, what's the criteria? And, um, and we're so happy. Even some of them ask if you're able to open the school in other cities. So that's kind of what we are looking for. It's not about uh, only bringing money. It's about giving a voice to these girls who can be a decision maker in their family in the community, but also pushing for, you know, gender equality and also um, be a voice and role model for the next generation of the women. And do you feel, do you feel, uh, Farishti, that the prejudices and the bias are generational um, from men, as in is it the older generation that's very against it? Do you think the younger generation of men that are coming through have a different attitude or do you think it's still instilled in the males? I, I I'm not sure if I if I would say I, I don't think it would be generation because like for example my dad was always very supportive 
of what the girls, especially in the family, were doing. He was the one who really pushed us to, you know, um, Jimmy, we know you've got eight, is it eight siblings you have? Yes, we are eight. <laughs> it's a big family. How many of you are girls and how many are boys? Five girls, three boys. Ah, okay, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my dad was always very supportive of, especially the girls, and he trusted us. We, as the girls, were able to travel alone, you know, to other countries and continue our education. And of course, there were other fathers as my father's age who really didn't let their daughters you know to you know continue even maybe high school or go to college but what i say that of course going back to technology i think what is one of the good point about technology is that it kind of like opened people's mind and showed them a different perspective you know like there's a lot of afghanistan is a very young country there's the generation is the population is very young and a lot of them use social media and i think one part of it it would be they will be introduced to the outside world so hopefully it changed their mind in a way that they want to like you know push for equality and have a peaceful country because uh, it wasn't peaceful we never had peace for like about four decades ago so there's a balance um i guess uh in a way that how do you see if you see women empowerment and push for their equality as a threat for yourself or you think it's as a way that it can uplift you as well and help you yeah and, and how, how tough has this journey really been for you to, to get this code to inspire off the ground and keep going and, and getting momentum with this is it did you think it'd be this difficult oh my god it's exhausting i guess <laughs> i'm just exhausted i think but you know it's a bittersweet journey because you have an idea, you want to make something happen. And when you start, not a lot of people believe in you. When you go and talk to them that, hey, I want to like create this coding school and I want to make this happen. A lot of people are like, well, that's just an idea she's talking about. Come back to us when there is a reality on the ground and then we can, you know, think about if we want to help you. So like at the very beginning, you face a lot of people who are not believing in what you want to do and that's like I think the very first challenge and then being um, remotely working well I've been here in the U.S. since 2012 and due to my immigration I haven't been able to go back to Afghanistan so I manage everything online and so managing everything online has its own struggles and challenges and from finding the right people you know on the ground you can trust raising funds and helping everyone and that was definitely a challenge. And also being the only full-time staff, um, you wear a lot of hats, you know, you have to do everything by yourself, even you're not good at everything, you know, but you have to figure it out and um, kind of do that. And there were a lot of moments, to be honest, that I was like crying and I was thinking, oh my God, I just want to quit and close everything. Why I'm doing this, you know, I would have just find a good job for myself, get paid and that's it why I should be responsible for the lives of like a couple of hundred girls. But at the end of the day, when I wake up in the morning and I see the tweets from our students uh, that they take a screenshot about the code they learned or the graphic design they did and how happy they are, it gives me hope and uh, that they put their trust in me so that I can help them to get to what they are dreaming. And that gives me more hopes and strength and just keep going. 
how did your passion for coding and computers and everything related to it start? I mean, obviously, there's a real nurture inside to you, the fact that, you know, you've done something that you sound fat, um, passionate about, but you've taken it into other people's lives. But what was your start? How old were you and how did you feel when you first started being able to code? Well, it's a interesting question because I really wasn't interested in computer science and coding at the beginning. I really didn't like this field of study. My major was actually, when I was in high school in Iran, um, was literature. I really loved literature and anthropology. Uh, you know, I really loved philosophy. I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I was more into those subjects and I didn't like math. But when we moved to Afghanistan in 2002, uh, one year after the fall of Taliban, I participated in the university entrance exam. And my top choices were, were still a lot of literature, um, journalism. But I remember that there was one of the university administrators who came and he said, there is a new field of a study called computer science and we encourage everyone to apply. And it was kind of like laughing and I was like oh my god like is he kidding us Afghanistan computer science barely electricity you know because it's 2002 there's barely electricity you only had three hours electricity at home I didn't have computer or I didn't know what is internet and I didn't have phone so I was like what is he talking about and a couple of months after when they announced the the results the system picked computer science for me so um, I was very upset. I was crying. I said, I'm not going to go. But my parents encouraged me and they said, well, you do have a, a decent English knowledge. And it seems computer is about English too. So maybe give it a try. And if you like it, uh, then continue. So I was the first week was very struggling because we had math and I really didn't like it. But the next few days, we, have, we had subjects about algorithm and problem solving and programming. And I really loved it because not only it was in English, but I always love, you know, like critical thinking, problem solving. And I liked and I found algorithm is like that and solving a puzzle, you know, um, and finding out and putting pieces together. And that's how it made me interested to continue and finish my bachelor and then go to Germany and get my master's in computer science and technical university of Berlin. Amazing. That is amazing. I mean, there must have been so many people that were jealous of you, like other girls that you knew that you're, you were allowed to go and do that. You were allowed to travel to a different country to pursue higher education. Because from what you're telling, telling us that in Afghanistan, it's very difficult to have, well, one, an education and two, to be supported by a, a male in the family. So that's, that's remarkable that your parents had that foresight to have, want their children to have an education more than anything. Yes, I mean, I definitely feel very fortunate that my parents were very supportive. Um, and unfortunately, not a lot of the girls had this opportunity and support to pursue what they love. Yes, gosh. What do your siblings do as, as jobs? And I imagine that your parents, I mean, from listening to you, I, I, I feel that probably your father has a wonderful relationship with his wife, your mother, because you normally find that that's the situation when fathers really support their daughters and not just their sons. What, what do, you know, your siblings, one, think of what you do and what do they do in life? Well, I mean, like, they're certainly proud of what I'm doing. We do have, like, you know, group chat that we always share updates, but also, like, just, you know, catching up with each other. Um, majority of my siblings graduated from university. They do have either a bachelor or a master's degree. 
for example, my younger sister, she's now like the only woman director in the Ministry of Energy and Water. Wow. And she's the first woman director <laughs> in the history of that ministry. And a lot of my, my, my other sister, she's in Berlin and she is the head of a refugee camp. She helps refugees wow. to settle down. So, I mean, like the good point is that because my parents were ambitious, they led us to go after our dreams. And, and that's how all of us got a degree from university, pursue what you're passionate about, even the boys of the family as well. And, um, and and I think we really, as a big family, we learned that we've had a lot of difficult times, especially growing up as refugees. You know, we were denied to access education. We grew up fairly, uh, fairly poor in, uh, and we didn't have a lot of good economical, you know, opportunity. And just, you know, being a refugee, you face a lot of discriminations, but we've learned as a family to stay together, you know, support each other and... Uh, listen to each other's dreams and just encourage each other and I think that was the really the, the thing that makes all of us to you know like go after what we are dreaming for amazing I love your quote you said I've started from a place that is impossible yes <laughs> that you said before um, but you've also started something that was impossible that I'm sure so many people said and, and I know it's I'm very 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 different to your experience and what you're doing but I could re resonate with some of the difficulties that you've had and the crying and the wearing of the many hats and being the only full-time person. But you do it such passion because I think what I love listening to you is that there's the passion in there because you've what you give to the girls, you've been there. You've been through all of that yourself. So you can give that kind of support emotionally and, and guide them as well from your teachings. But I love that you, I love that quote that I read that you started. What was the other part of that? I've, I've started from a place that is impossible and then you say something else. Is there another part to that? I guess maybe that was about you can make the best out of the least. That's something that always stays with me. Yes. And that's because when my parents moved as refugees to Iran during the Soviet invasion, they had to start life from zero, like another refugee. They left everything in Afghanistan and they didn't have anything to start with. And my mom learned how to stitch and make dresses. And by selling them, she could bring income to the family and could invest in our education. And so I always believe that no matter where you are or what you have, if you believe in yourself, and you can make something happen. And um, and you can do great things with empty hands, the same as my mom did. So yes. um, I think that was always with me and made me to think about it. You must be such a great role model, model to the girls. Thank you. I mean, I... <laughs> I know. It's just amazing listening to you. Do you know what's really strange? I have to say this to Karina as well. I think every single person that we have interviewed so far for the, for the Mission podcast his mother has had to has has become a seamstress of some sort and supported their families and the kids have come out of that no matter who we speak to and I'm not just talking about designers we speak to I'm talking about everyone we seem to have spoken to mother has been a seamstress at some point um, my mom's a seam was a seamstress and it's like it's really funny it's just very very strange but where do you see I mean do you see you going back to Afghanistan at some point in your life or do you think you'll stay in America or settle there or what's your kind of feeling towards that? I absolutely would love to go back to Afghanistan and spend my time there. It's just that unfortunate that I'm kind of like stuck in a situation with immigration that I won't be able to leave the country because if I leave, I won't be able to come back. 
but if at some point my immigration get resolved, I would love to spend at least majority of my time or half of my time in Afghanistan, be there because there's certainly a lot of things for me that it needs to um, it needs me to be there in person. If I want to travel to other parts of Afghanistan for expansion of the school, you know, meeting more girls and just helping as many as girls we can. So I think definitely I would love to be there in person. And of course, beside that, like seeing my parents and family because I haven't met them for seven years. So it's been a long time. So definitely that would be the future. And of course, being in the U.S. and New York City, it's certainly, again, I'm very fortunate because it's a city with a lot of, you know, great people to meet and opportunities to support the organization with, without the help of a lot of people, I wouldn't be able to have the organization um, as of now. So being here is also very good to, you know, raise more awareness and network and help, you know, the organization to grow as well. Have any of the girls finished their, their education with you and then come to America and met you for the first time face to face? Well, unfortunately not. I mean, I would love to. I do a lot of uh, virtual videos at least i try to do monthly videos with all the girls just to see them you know their face but also just hear from them what they feel if they have any idea if there's anything we can help and they can see me so they see that there's a real person you know Not yeah. Just, <laughs> like they don't know who's this person so i think that would makes me happy and make them happy to get connected like that do you think there'd be ever a possibility to set something like this up in New York? Well, I um, I don't think it's something not tangible, but personally, uh, my goal would be for the next three, five years that we can expand this goal within Afghanistan to as many as we can, but also to conflict zone on areas that the women have the same issues like women in Afghanistan, particularly Middle East, you know, um, Africa, you know, there are places, Latin America, places that they do have conflict. Uh, women are the one who are the first victims. So that would be my uh, ultimate goal to expand the school in those regions as well. It would be great if you had all these big corporations in, in key cities that would offer scholarships, paid internships to, onto the possibility of jobs they walk into. I, I think it would be so great to have these big companies work with Code to Inspire. I think what you're doing is so remarkable, Fereshti, and good on you for just sticking at it for, for so long. It's, it sounds like it's really beginning to kind of break through and, make, and have momentum and, and the girls starting to get up on their feet with incredible jobs. Absolutely. I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. It's been such a pleasure, Fereshti, and I want to meet you even more now. I've, I, I just think you're so inspiring, and if we can help in any way, kind of get the word out, and maybe we can have some of your girls doing my mission on our on our website to get just raise more awareness we would love to help you yeah absolutely well thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story again with your amazing platform i hope that the people who listen to this podcast they the perspective about afghanistan will be changed and they don't think that afghanistan is only a war zone and there's a lot of progress has happened and i would like to share this saying from rumi it's a 13th persian who says where there is ruin there is hope for a treasure and to me i think the ruins are the aftermath of the war in afghanistan and the conflict and the treasures are investing on the girls education and that's what i'm doing and 
that's what I'm building, building Afghanistan 2.0. So hopefully we would have a generation that they will code for peace rather than war. Wow, we applaud you. That is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to My Mission Is, these podcasts that I do with Charlene. We love doing them. We meet such varied, interesting people. Our next guest is someone Charlene knows super well, and I know a little well, but she knows her very well. She is someone who is grown up with creative parents, one being a musician in a band some might know called The Beatles. I hope you know it. If you don't, you should. And the other parent had an amazing career as a photographer. Another little clue, she co-founded Neat Free Mondays with her dad. She's a photographer herself and has been fortunate to meet some outstanding subjects to photograph, from Madonna to Her Royal Highness the Queen of England. I hope you tune in to our next podcast of the super talented, down-to-earth and continuous supporter of Mission, which I'm very, very grateful for. Her name is Mary McCartney, and we're delighted to have her as our next guest. Thank you for listening. Be safe and keep well. All the best. Bye.